the administration consults with social media companies about silencing dissent. The courts say that's clearly unconstitutional and orders the process stopped. The administration orders the practice to continue. Starting to see a pattern? The truth is, it's time for the people to be heard. And when it comes to truth, well, we're the Truth News Network. And shouting the word from the top of the highest mountain is your town crier, Dan Newman. How they get away with it? Well, it's called oligarchy. You know all about that if you read our story last week about it. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. We start the week and we start a brand new month. October. We're headed into fall. I'm ready. I don't know about you. Boy, all this heat we've had in the South, and it hadn't just been in the South, it's been across the nation. Uncharacteristic. And of course, all of the climate experts are telling us it's because of climate change. (laughs) And, And when it gets real cold, why is it so cold? It's about climate change. When we have lots of rain and lots of bad storms, thunderstorms, even uh, tornadoes, it's about climate change. Everything is about climate change. And that's just the talking point of the year. Well, we had a big weekend full of all kinds of things that happened. And we're going to, I'm sure you heard a little bit about most of them, but we're going to dig into the really serious things. And we have some other things to share with you and to talk about. Of course, we'd like to hear from you. If you show desire and want to um, appear on the show, yeah, you can do that. Big week ahead, too. We'll have several guests this week, one you already know about. He'll be here tomorrow with us, Steve Baker. I think he's in Dallas. I know he's been on the Blaze Television Network a couple of times the last few days. But anyway, wherever he is, he'll be here with us and a couple of surprise guests later in the week. But we, in the meantime, have a Monday to get going. So why don't we do just that? Let you and me and all of our fellow TNN Live lifers all just sit back and uh, get ready for the week together. Yeah. 
that artist, Basha. You remember her? She had a bunch of hits back in the 80s and the 90s. She's got a very different sound. Her last name is Stanislawa. She's Polish. We don't get many Polish singers these days, do we? (laughs) At least we don't know it if they are. But boy, she did a great job. Hey, listen, if you just joined us and you missed the intro, I just want to tell you, get ready for a big week here at TNN Live. Several different guests. We'll have Steve Baker tomorrow and then a couple of surprise mystery guests later in the week. We want you all to be here, and we'll tell you the day before. Each one of them that's coming up, we'll tell you they're going to be here. But it's going to be a busy week. We got a bunch of necessary work done over the weekend in Congress. You remember Friday, a week ago this last Friday, Congressman, um, our Congressman, Mike Johnson was with us here, and we talked about what was coming up. The House of Representatives had been under fire for weeks and weeks and weeks because our fiscal year ended over the weekend, September 30th, and a requirement of Congress, specifically the House of Representatives, is to prepare a budget for the new year. And it's supposed to be put in place, signed by the president. That means it's passed by the House and the Senate to go into effect on the first day of October. Well, a week ago it wasn't done and everybody was panicking. It has almost been comical this past week, for me anyway, to watch these lawmakers struggle to point fingers at everybody else, blame everybody else for everything. Nobody has stood up and took the lead until they were forced to do so. Now, the Senate could have created their own budget proposal and then sent it over to the House. They didn't do that until this past week. And then the House, of course, is where all spending measures are supposed to be crafted and go through regular order, which means budget proposals of those 12 different sections of our economy. They go to the various committees. The committees have hearings. The committees make suggestions, amend, and then vote on those amendments if they pass. And then when they finish getting whatever one of the 12 measures they're working on, get it finished in the committee, then it all gets packaged up and it goes to the floor of the House where it's debated, possibly amended, finally getting a final draft agreed to by the House, and then it goes over to the Senate. They try to get everything put together. It sounds very busy and arduous, and you know why? Because it is, and it should be. We're talking about several trillions of our dollars, our meaning we taxpayers. We foot the bill for all this. Now, every one of those 535 members of Congress, they pay their taxes, so they're side-by-side with us on paying the bill. But they act like the money, the several trillion dollars they're arguing over how the government's going to spend it, they act like it's theirs, came out of their pockets except for their own taxes, it doesn't. It's the rest of us, 330 million of us. Now, you put that all in perspective, it's crazy for them to wait so long. They knew when this new Congress started January last year, 
or January this year. When they knew we had this coming up, they should have begun working on it back then. And of course, the fact and the reasons for the fact that they didn't get going, that's pretty much what everybody on the left wants to talk about, not the substance that's in it. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, Also want to remind you, this impeachment inquiry is still underway. There's still fallout from it, and there's more news and information coming out that looks bad for Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and this morning, little brother. Not Hunter's little brother, but President Biden's little brother, Jim. He finds himself on the hot seat. So, with much angst and anger and hatred and vitriol, the House first, they got a continuing resolution passed. Now, they didn't get a permanent fix done. They didn't. They just gave themselves 45 days. And, of course, what that means, a continuing resolution, is they agreed, at least in part, but significantly enough to get one passed that will give the government funding for 45 days, and it has a bunch of restrictions in it. We'll get into all that here in just a little bit, but they got it passed. And then the Senate, they got it passed, but they didn't get it passed until late yesterday. Actually, it was in the wee hours of the morning, Saturday night. The U.S. Senate approved this stopgap spending measure. Final vote over there was 88 to 9. The House passed a short-term spending bill, the same one, to fund the government for 45 days. They got theirs done Saturday afternoon. This CR passed the House 335 to 91, caused lawmakers to break out into applause amid the pressure of a shutdown. Chuck Schumer, he's the majority leader in the Senate, He set up a roll call shortly after 8 p.m. Saturday night. The Senate needed 60 yays to pass the bill. And by the way, the fiscal year ended at midnight, midnight October 1st. Had the Senate rejected the bill to get the funding passed midnight, that would have resulted in non-essential government programs being put on pause and thousands of federal employees would have been furloughed. Wouldn't have affected all the things that are absolutely necessary, like paying Social Security, paying for Medicare bills, uh, VA, all that kind of stuff would have kept being funded in limbo. We just didn't want to go there because it creates all kinds of headaches. So what I just told you is the nuts and bolts about what happened. So why don't we go ahead and uh, (laughs) why don't we go to the dirty stuff? Listen to this. If you didn't hear this, there is the newest member of the squad. The squad is a group of hardcore leftists that hang with Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York. This new guy is Representative Jamal Bowman. He's also from New York. So they were trying to do anything and everything in the House on Saturday, everything they could do to stop the vote happening because Democrats did not want to accept 
the continuing resolution that had been debated, put together, put out on the floor because it cut spending a massive amount, no money in it for Ukraine for the next six weeks. You know, Joe Biden basically told us over the last couple of weeks, we got to spend six, no, I'm sorry, it was 30 billion more to Ukraine. And conservatives said, not a way we're going to do that. There is no way we're going to do that. So these that was just one thing in the continuing resolution these Democrats hated. And they tried to postpone the vote on the floor. So this guy, Representative Jamal Bowman, he came up with a really cool way to slow his thing down. He ripped down two signs warning a second-floor door in the Cannon House office building was for emergency use only. That was on the door before he pulled the fire alarm running out through a different door on a different floor. And, of course, when the fire alarm goes off in the the, uh, U.S. Capitol, what happens? I mean, everybody's got to vacate. they got to go out. Police come. Ambulances come. It's just a huge debacle that he instigated. Sources familiar with the investigation into him about this, those investigators showed photographs of the scene of the alleged crime. It is a crime. After the emergency door had been restored, after the damage that Bowman did to it when he slammed it open. This is the insanity of the far left and government going crazy. This is what it does. This is what these people do. In the pictures of the double doors with glass windows, there are clearly two giant red signs on the door. Both of the signs say, emergency exit only, push until the alarm sounds. That takes three seconds to get the alarm to go off. The door will unlock in 30 seconds. Then there's another sign on the stand in front of the door that makes it clear this is an emergency exit only. And off to the left on the wall is the fire alarm. Bowman knew where to go to pull the fire alarm. He pulled it. And the fire alarm itself clearly states that it is a fire alarm. So Bowman, he played not guilty until guess what happened? (laughs) There's a picture of him. And the picture of Bowman is when he's pulling the fire alarm, which Capitol Police already released publicly. It shows the two red signs that are normally affixed to the door are no longer there. Where are they? He threw them down on the floor. One source said Bowman casually, as the House was holding open the House Democrats' motion to adjourn the vote to do that earlier in the day, he walked up to the door ripped the emergency signs off, threw them on the ground. Then he leaned into the door and tried to open it. Then he pulled the fire alarm. When the alarm begins going off, he turned around and ran, going down to the first floor of Cannon and exited out of a different door, then made his way across the street to vote. At no point did he say to anybody, sorry, this is a mistake, or sorry, I pulled the fire alarm by mistake or anything like that. He didn't say anything to anybody until he got busted by the Capitol Police later on. 
By doing what he did, he caused a whole building to be evacuated. Capitol Police, emergency services need to treat any alarm like it's a real threat until they know otherwise. So all of these facts undercut Bowman's official public statement. The guy actually wrote a public statement. And the facts in the pictures where he got busted, they showed he was trying to get out of the door. He did not, per a source familiar with the matter, wait the 30 seconds the sign said to wait for the emergency door to open, and he clearly did not follow instructions on the emergency signs. Bowman later told reporters, I thought the alarm would open the door. That statement from the congressman himself came after his spokesperson had already issued a statement claiming he was rushing to get to votes on the floor. Quote, Congressman Bowman did not realize he would trigger a building alarm as he was rushing to make an urgent vote. The congressman regrets any confusion. Obviously, though, facts. Oh, and the sign says otherwise. However, what really seems to be going on here is that Democrats in the House are desperately trying anything they could. The motion to adjourn vote, you may not have heard about that. That was made by Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. When it failed, Jeffries used a much as much time as he could through his magic minute, which allows the opposition leader to speak for as long as they want to. And through disinformation, their committee staffers were disseminating about the House GOP's funding bill in order to buy their counterparts in the Senate time to pass a Democrat funding measure. The main difference between the House and the Senate funding packages? Here it is. The Senate plan led by Senate Democrats provides billions of taxpayer dollars to Ukraine, whereas the House passed plan provides zero dollars for Ukraine. In other words, it appears Bowman, who has been in Congress for nearly three years now and would understand all this about emergency doors and rushing to votes, pulled the fire alarm as part of as a delay tactic to help buy the Democrats' time. So when their delay tactics failed and the House passed the GOB funding plan, Democrats change their tune and begin singing its praises, even though it provides zero money for Ukraine. But they all, as politicians usually do, only they recognize defeat. They said they voted for it and claim that they won't. Hmm. So I mentioned Jamal, he's a member of the newest member of the squad the captain, the chief, the president of the squad, that group leader, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she was on NBC, State the Nation, yesterday morning. And I want you to listen. She's asked about what Bowman did. Interesting moment uh, over the weekend when your New York colleague, Congressman Jamal Bowman, and he's under investigation for this now after Capitol Police say he pulled a fire alarm in one of the House office buildings. Democrats were trying to delay a vote, a final vote on the bill. Uh, there he is uh, pulling the fire alarm. He says it was an accident. He thought pulling the alarm would open a door. 
uh, based on the fact that the doors to his right there were locked and there was a sign that he said he was, I think someone said it was confusing. I'll be honest, it doesn't really make sense to me, his explanation. Have you talked to him? What's going on? I mean, listen, I think if you actually do see some of the photos of the signs, I think there's, there's something to be said about the government's about to shut down. There's a vote clock that's going down. The exits that are normally open in that building were suddenly closed. He, so you pulled a fire alarm? So I'm, I'm, what I am here to say is that House administration and U.S. Capitol Police and Jamal Bowman are inactive, and he's fully participating in saying there was a misunderstanding. But what I do think is important to raise is the fact that Republicans, representatives like Nicole Maliotakis and others, immediately moved to file motions to censure, motions to expel, before there, before there has even been conversations that are, that are finished to even see if there was a misunderstanding here. But what they did do, while they did that, what they did not do was to commit to the same when George Santos was actually found guilty after a thorough investigation of 13 federal charges. He's indicted on everything from wire fraud to actual lying. Of, of House investigators, and they have been buddying up and giggling with him on the House floor, and they are protecting someone who has lied to the American people, lied to the United States House of Representatives, lied to congressional investigators, but they're fire, uh, filing a motion of, to expel a member who, in a moment of panic, was trying to escape a vestibule? Give me a break. And so the idea that there is somehow any kind of equivalence to someone who is actively trying to clear up a situation that he himself admits he's embarrassed, he released a statement last night, he apologized, and they are protecting someone who has not only committed wire fraud, not only defrauded veterans, not only lied to congressional investigators, but is openly gloating about it, is absolutely humiliating to the Republican caucus. And I think that they should really check their own values. There's another Republican who's been indicted also that they've been defending, but we, we, don't, but we don't have the time to go into all of those uh, charges, 91 of them. Okay, that was a two minute and 42 segment. That was how long that whole thing lasted. She talked about what Bowman did for 32 seconds of the two minutes and 42 seconds of that segment. What did she do? The age-old political trip. Defer. Find somebody else to jump all over, to defer, deflect the attention of who you're trying to reach away from the guilty party that's your partner in the squad and over to that evil Republican Representative also from New York, George Santos. Now, she made all those allegations against Santos. Let me point something out. If he did any of that stuff, there's no question he should be held accountable for it. But who holds? She accused him of wire fraud and all kinds of other federal crimes. I thought Merrick Garland in the Department of Justice, I thought those were all people appointed by, you know, Joe Biden. And I think all of us, all of you listening, I know I feel this way, um, Merrick Garland and his DOJ, they are hardcore in the tank for anybody, going after anybody that has any kind of national uh, presence 
for conservatism and conservative ideology. And if they blink wrong or if they break wind in a group somewhere, they're going to get busted for it. They're going to get charged. They're going to be investigated. So Representative George Santos, yeah, he's a Republican. Don't you think he would be a massive bullseye target for the left, for the DOJ, if he had done any of the things that she alleged? I just thought I'd point that out. And the fact that she didn't deal with the whole substance of that thing, Jamal Bowman doing what he did, except for 30 seconds out of almost three minutes. Typical marching orders for top to bottom people that are Democrats in our U.S. Congress. I am not giving George uh, George Santos, I'm not giving him a free pass on anything. I'm not even familiar with the details of what she alleged happened there. It's just that there needs to be equal justice. There needs to be treatment for everybody that doesn't change after the prosecutors look at your behind your name and see if there's an R or a D. And if it's an R, you're going to go after them. If it's a D, you'll give them a free pass. Nobody can credibly allege that we don't live in a two-tiered justice system. We do. Lefty and conservatism, period. And if you are conservative, look what hap- Look what's still happening in the J6 stuff. Look at how those people are being treated. We've got a story coming up of one young man we you haven't even heard about, nor have I. I heard his name and a little bit about the incidents, but you need to stay tuned for this story because this will frost you, an African-American young man, how he was treated because he was not a flaming leftist on January 6th, and he made some noise. And by the way, he's going to prison. He didn't touch anybody, and he didn't go into the Capitol. Hmm. We'll get into that a little bit later this hour. But before we leave Bowman, yesterday reporters caught up with the former president, Donald Trump, and they pointed out and wanted him to comment on this Jamal Bowman mess, pulling the fire alarms and potentially a two-tier justice system. What about Mr. President's Congressman Jamal Bowman to pull the fire alarm in the Cannon Building and disrupt the uh, So I think what, Bowman, I don't know Bowman at all, but Jamal... Bowman, a congressman from New York, did something that was as bad or worse. You look at what's happening to the J6ers, and they're putting them in jail for years and years, and this guy pulled an alarm system. And to show you how corrupt they are, he then said when he got caught, he didn't know he was on tape. I mean, I don't know how you can be in the Capitol and not know it, especially after what happened. And he said, oh, he was trying to get into a door. He thought he was opening a door. It was a door two feet away. He thought he was opening a door. It's a red box that says fire alarm on it. He thought he was opening it. This is the crap. And then they let him out because he's a Democrat, radical left lunatic. And he should be prosecuted the same exact way as the J6 people were prosecuted. And they've been treated, many of them have been treated more unfairly than anybody in the history of our country. And I don't know if I should be saying that because I don't know what these people behind me say, but I'll bet they agree with me. There's never been anybody treated so unfairly just about 
What they've done to the J6ers is terrible. And Bowman went and he pulled an alarm and you could add riots, you could add everything else, and he did it during a vote. And he should be treated the same exact way. And we'll see what happens, because a lot of people are saying, what are you going to do about J6? I don't think they're going to be disappointed. I can tell you that. The guy's name that I told you we were going to bring a story on is Philip Anderson. January 6th, he's a victim. Philip Anderson. I'm going to give you the details. In fact, I was going to keep going on what was accomplished at the Capitol over the weekend. But I'm going to, I'm going to stop and I'm going to insert the story about Philip Anderson. I want you to hear exactly what's going on. The mainstream media, the legacy media, they won't even talk about it. This story's not on Washington Post or New York Times or CNN or any of the big, big news operations. But you're not going to believe what this guy's going through. And especially, he's African-American. Philip Anderson, up next. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Where my Johnny is? Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you can see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Let's get right to it. This guy that I told you about, his name is Philip Anderson. He is one, just one of the victims of shocking police brutality that day, January 6, 2021. Happened outside the Capitol. Has severed ties. This guy, Philip Anderson, severed all his ties with a family member. Why? Because the family member supports the Democrat Party. So what happened? 
Well, the family member had reached out to Anderson with a text stating, and it sounds kind of sweet, quote, you have always been and always will be one of the most important people in my life, a person I care about deeply. I miss you a lot and think about you every day. Anderson responded with a scathing and unequivocal statement. Here's what he said. You are a Democrat. Democrats have mutilated my face, banned me from every social media platform, stolen my money for my medical bills, manipulated search results against me, smeared me in the media, and then lied about reaching out to me for comment, put false information fact checks over every picture and video of my face on Facebook, and much more. And now... They are trying to throw me in prison for close to 30 years just for saying something. So I have nothing left to say to you people. I'm done with you tyrants. Those were his words. So what else is in this thing? There is a lot of other stuff. In another post, Anderson made it clear he was cutting off all family members and friends who support Democrats. Yes, I'm cutting off all family members and friends that support the Democrat Party. Your political party has taken everything I have, destroyed my life, deplatformed me, mutilated my face, and now wants to throw me in prison for decades. Anderson's life took a big turn after the events that happened on that that day, January 6, 2021. He was almost murdered that day, committed no violence, no destruction, didn't make it inside the Capitol building. Despite this, he's now facing felony charges. In another post, he elaborated, keep in mind these people almost murdered me on January 6th. Because I survived and I talked about it, now they're charging me with felonies. It can be recalled that Anderson was gassed with clouds of pepper spray, pushed down on the ground, and then nearly trampled to death as police officers continued to push Trump supporters on top of a pile of people outside the U.S. Capitol. He was at the bottom of that pile. There's a photo that shows him nearly unconscious being dragged away by Trump supporters after being crushed under a pile on January 6th. Roseanne Boylan, you remember that name? She was right next to him when she died. Philip Anderson fell, was being smothered as cops continued to push Trump supporters on top of him. Philip told the Gateway Pundit how he was holding Roseanne's hand when she died. A second eyewitness also contacted the Gateway Pundit following an interview with Philip, and confirmed his account. Jake Lang, a January 6th prisoner currently held with trial rights inside the D.C. prison, also confirmed his report. Jake Lang rescued Philip Anderson that day. He's pictured in the same picture I just told you about, dragging Philip Anderson to safety away from the police. They tried to get Roseanne Boylan out, but she didn't make it. Here's the tragedy of this whole thing. He's African-American, a young guy. 
He was never called to testify before Liz Cheney's fraudulent J6 committee. Philip was never sent an apology by the FBI. He was never interviewed to hear his version of what happened that day. Last August, he was arrested two and a half years after the January 6th event where they nearly killed him. His list of charges includes two felonies, obstructing law enforcement and obstruction of Congress. He said, I'm effing furious. This is absolute bull crap. They almost murder me and murder Roseanne Boylan, lie about it, and then charge me with felonies and retaliation for talking. This is the third world nonsense. Thank you so much to everyone that has donated to my legal fund. I don't have much money, so I needed all the help I can get to pay for a lawyer. They almost kill me. Now they're charging me with crimes. You never heard the name Philip Anderson, did you? Think about all of that in context. Think about the stuff that you've heard when Steve Baker every week comes here. He is considered now among media I'm talking about media around the world, but places like the New York Times, the Washington Post, he is the J6 expert on the circumstances that happened. It's the footage that he took personally that ended up going around the world to news organizations, even in Europe and Asia and Africa, his stuff. Why would it be such a big deal that it's him? Because... Many of the news agencies, the names I just mentioned, they don't want to show some of the reality. The pictures that they show are the ones that coincide with the narrative of the left. And Philip Anderson, nobody even talks about him. He wasn't even questioned by the FBI, and they charged him with things that are so fluffy There's no substance there interfering with the police. (laughs) I mean, if they wanted to, they could probably charge everybody that was there, however many tens of thousands of people were there, with interfering with police and interrupting congressional activities. He didn't go inside. He was outside. The horrible thing about this, the worst thing, is the Department of Justice, they know how expensive it is for anybody to be involved in federal criminal litigation. Steve Baker told us, and Steve's facing it himself. I don't know. I talked to him, I guess, Thursday of last week. Nothing's happened, but he's prepared The FBI keep telling him he's about to be indicted, won't tell him what for specifically, but he's prepared to spend $200,000. $200,000. The same kid, Philip Anderson, he's facing the same debacle. And this guy, he's a young African-American guy. Steve, I I don't think Steve, I don't know for a fact, but... I don't think Steve can write a check for $200,000 just to be defended in a case like this that really has no merit. 
of course, in the Biden administration, in this United States of America in which we live today, facts don't really matter anymore. It's political narrative of the day. Who's in charge and who do they want to go after for dissenting opinions? That sounds to me like Vladimir Putin might be in the White House, not Joe Biden. But then again, oligarchy. One person or a small group of people sucking up all the power of government and just ignoring the righteousness, the legalities, and they just go after anything they want and they go after anybody that they want to go after with impunity because they hold all the power. That's exactly what we're facing. So what about what about our situation in Congress? Well, we got it passed. We got the continuing resolution. We got 45 days, 45 days to get the job done. And are we going to go right back to the same place we were over the weekend? I don't know. But I can tell you, I don't think there is consensus even after all this stuff. They spent dozens of hours in negotiations with each other over the last two weeks every day and didn't get anything done. We're going to be watching, and we'll keep you posted, but right now we'll say this. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, he is in a tough spot. There are people in his own party that are ready to see him go. One of them, Republican Florida Representative Matt Gates, announced a plan yesterday to oust House Speaker Kevin McCarthy from leadership. Gates went on CNN's State of the Union. Gates told CNN's Jake Capper he's going to file a motion this week to remove McCarthy from his seat over lack of trust. The motion would force a House vote on whether to vacate McCarthy's seat. You may remember when McCarthy was trying to get enough votes to be Speaker, he had to make a concession that any member of Congress could do a motion give a motion, file a motion to vacate at any time for whatever reason. And that if that happened, if one member made that motion, they had to take action on it. In other words, they would have to vote. Gates said this, Speaker McCarthy made an agreement with the House conservatives in January. Since then, he's been in brazen, repeated material breach of that agreement, Gates said. This agreement that he made with Democrats to really blow past a lot of the spending guardrails we'd set up is the last straw. Now, Gates is from Florida. He said there'll be enough Republican votes to get rid of McCarthy, which will lead the Speaker to strike a deal with the Democrats in Congress. He vowed to refuse to cut any deals with Democrat members of Congress. The only way Kevin McCarthy is Speaker of the House at the end of this coming week is if Democrats bail him out. Now, they probably will. I actually think that when you believe in nothing, as Kevin McCarthy does, everything's negotiable, and I think he'll cut a deal with the Democrats. So, if McCarthy does that, cuts a deal, Gates said the current Republican leader will be serving at the pleasure of the Democrats. And he said, I'm done owning 
Kevin McCarthy. We made a deal in January to allow him to assume the speakership. And I'm not owning him anymore because he doesn't tell the truth. And so if Democrats want to own Kevin McCarthy by bailing him out, I can't stop them, but then he'll be their speaker, not mine. Gates has reportedly been talking to Democrats about potential replacements if he files the motion to vacate. The tension between Gates and McCarthy escalated after the president signed that short-term McCarthy-supported bill late Saturday night to keep the government open until mid-November. The bill was signed into law just minutes before the federal government's funding for fiscal year 2023 was slated to expire by midnight. AOC, she said in a separate Sunday interview that she would absolutely vote in favor of vacating McCarthy's seat. I think Kevin McCarthy is a very weak speaker. He clearly has lost control of his caucus. He's brought the U.S. and millions of Americans to the brink, waiting until the final hour to keep the government open, and even then, only issuing a 45-day extension, she said. But listen to this. This just came up minutes ago, right before we went live. There are members of the House of Representatives, Republicans, who are looking to expel Gates to kick him out of Congress amid the renewed threat to vacate the House Speaker's spot. In fact, they're preparing a motion to expel him right now. The House Republican members are going to seek to expel Gates if the Ethics Committee report comes back with findings of guilt. One member told Fox News the report is mostly written but doesn't know what's in it. Yet following threats to vacate McCarthy, the member said of Gates, no one can stand him at this point, a smart guy without any morals. Now, it takes a two-thirds vote to kick a member of Congress out. Republicans are treading on thin ice with their majority. The House is down to 433 members. It's unclear where things stand with federally indicted Representative George Santos of New York. That's who AOC was talking about in that interview you heard about 15 minutes ago. If you were to have members expelled, retire, or die, the majority could be right on the edge for the GOP. During an appearance on CNN Sunday morning, Gates said he planned to file a motion to vacate against Speaker McCarthy this week. I think we need to rip off the band-aid, he said. I think we need to move on with new leadership that can be trustworthy. Look, The one thing everybody has in common is that nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. He lied to Biden. He lied to House conservatives, Gase said. Kevin McCarthy's goal was to make multiple contradictory promises to delay everything back up against shutdown politics and at the end of the day, blow past the spending guardrails that he had agreed to. So what does Kevin McCarthy say about all this? Well, in response to that motion to vacate, McCarthy said, I'll survive. This is personal with Matt, McCarthy said. Let's get over it. Let's start governing. But on CNN, Gates insisted he wasn't pursuing McCarthy's ouster for personal matters. This isn't personal, Jake. 
This is about spending, Gates said. This is about the deal Kevin McCarthy made. If McCarthy didn't want to keep the deal to return to pre-COVID spending, if he didn't want to keep the deal to have a single-subject spending bill, not vote for government spending all up and down at once, then he shouldn't have made that deal. So this is about keeping Kevin McCarthy to his word. It's not about any personal animus. So Gates himself is under investigation by the House Ethics Committee and has been since 2021 on some allegations, including campaign finance violations, as well as claims of taking bribes and using drugs, accusations that Congressman has vehemently denied. Gates also denies allegations leaked from a DOJ sex trafficking probe said to have involved an underage girl. Remember this. This is the way D.C. works. He's a very outspoken, in many cases, very well-liked, good-looking, young American man, and he's in Congress, and he's very outspoken. What is typical, if you're a conservative in government and you're viewed as being a threat to the Democrats, they'll go after you. I mean, we're seeing that all the time. Look at Donald Trump, and it's not just Trump. Look what they did during the Obama years. They went after conservatives at every ilk. Barack Obama illegally went after journalists, conservative journalists that worked for Fox News, and it only slipped out the way we found out about it. He never apologized for doing it either. In a statement to Fox News earlier this year, Gates' office confirmed the DOJ has confirmed to Congressman Gates' attorneys that their investigation has concluded and that he will not be charged with any crimes. If Kevin McCarthy is still the Speaker of the House, he will be serving at the pleasure of the Democrats. He'll be working for the Democrats, Gates said. The only way McCarthy's Speaker of the House at the end of this coming week is if Democrats bail him out. I will make no deal with Democrats and concede no terms to them. I actually think Democrats should vote against McCarthy for free. I don't think I should have to deal with that. Such a gambit to try to bounce a speaker in the middle of Congress, it's very rare. Former Rep. Mark Meadows, Republican of North Carolina, he threatened to use the tactic on House Speaker John Boehner Republican of Ohio, remember that? Back in the summer of 2015, Boehner saw the writing on the wall and resigned that October. The House last saw a formal effort to remove a speaker way back in 1910. Wow. So we've still got chaos in the Congress. We still have great divisiveness and division, and it's not just, hey, I'm going to disagree with you. They hate each other. And the one thing we all know that never is good in these kinds of situations is this. They seldom end peacefully. It's always mutiny. I mean, it is always so stinking ugly that 
Literally, you can pop popcorn and go sit down by your television if you watch any of these live debates in these committees. As a matter of fact, we've got one from the uh, impeachment inquiry investigation in the committee on last Thursday or Friday. You're going you're gonna to want to spit your false teeth out when you listen to this Democrat and some of the stuff he has to say. But you know what? This is the United States of America. Everybody has a right to an opinion, and everybody has at least one on every subject. It's just some, they take their opinions and choose to turn them into weapons of mass destruction. And we're seeing it get ramped up for that. And we have an impeachment inquiry underway. We have a debt limit problem that we can't get our arms around. We don't even have a budget for the next year. We have Donald Trump in court this morning as part of a civil trial during a presidential race. And he's got two or three more standing between him and election day next year. What in the heck is going on in our nation? (laughs) And oh, by the way, we got some news, some new stuff on the Hunter Biden debacle. (laughs) We'll get into that after this. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Duncan. Ready to take your Jenga skills to the next level? If you are an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks, then build up the competition in new Jenga Maker. Play in teams to finish first and claim the crown. Jenga and new Jenga Maker. Reach the top of your game, each sold separately. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) heard that before you deserve to save i know i need you to hear me you deserve to save i deserve to save i mean he has a way of making you feel seen bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com what's the biggest number you can think of a trillion billion zillion that's pretty big how about you ten okay how about you infinity can you top that Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? (laughs) It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding Captain Label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Guess who else is in the news? Old Hunter is back in the news. Do you remember how many times President Biden said over and over and over, my son never got a dime from China. 
I never got a nickel from any foreign source. Hunter doesn't do that kind of stuff. It began back in 2019, but guess what? Huh. (laughs) He got busted. Found out over the weekend in the summer of 2019, Hunter Biden got two wires personally that totaled $260,000 that originated from BHR Partners Associates, including Jonathan Lee, that's the Chinese big shot, that was his partner in BHR Partners. And uh, that's, that's the wire that came that listed Joe Biden's Delaware home as the beneficiary address for that money. The fund bankrolled by the Bank of China. Months after getting the bank wires in 2019, Hunter told ABC News he didn't receive one penny from Lee. And that's an exact quote. Have you received any money from that business dealing? An ABC News reporter asked him. No, no, he replied. Not one cent, she questioned. Not one cent. Hunter claimed. The time frame detailed in Hunter's collapse plea deal in July with now special counsel David Weiss says Hunter Biden's residence was in California when this transaction took place and sent money to an account linked to Joe Biden's address. And speculation was, oh, he was all over the place at that time. He was visiting his dad. Well, facts don't bear that out. Hunter Biden remained in California, spent much of the summer that year painting and developing plans for his memoir. The plea deal states on page nine. In Hunter's memoir, Beautiful Things, he also noted that he lived in California at the time his Chinese partner wired the money. BHR Partners, the fund Hunter Biden co-founded through a joint venture with Devin Archer and Lee, maintains investments worth billions of dollars. As was reported back in April, Kevin Morris, Hunter's lawyer and confidant, controls Hunter Biden's stake in that entity. Archer's wife also controls his stake in BHR Partners. So every day or so, it just seems like it gets a little tighter and tighter and a little more stifling for Hunter Biden, but now not just Hunter, but for the big guy. So over the weekend, we learned that James Comer, he is the chairman of that House Oversight Committee that is looking into all of this, he issued subpoenas, subpoenas specifically for 20 wires, totaling $1.3 million that went to Jim Biden, James Biden. Jim is short for James. Of course, you knew that. That's the president's younger brother. Comer's subpoena appears to be directed at obtaining records linked to Joe Biden's corporation, Celtic Capri, which received nearly $10 million in 2017. Listen to this. In 2017, he was out of the vice president's office at the time. Trump had just been in business as the president for a year. And Joe gets $10 million 
without specifying any revenue line items. So that's an LLC account. It wasn't a shell company. That was a real LLC, Celtic Capri Corporation, with more earnings in there than what we can find. So that is an account we plan to subpoena as we follow the money. Chairman Comer said, James Biden, who's, by the way, an often overlooked member of the Biden family, is Joe's younger brother and Hunter's uncle. James and Hunter were business partners with CEFC China Energy Company, an organization closely aligned and linked to the Chinese Communist Party. While Hunter's complex web of wires from CEFC received much attention recently, Comer expanded his focus to James entities. Those entities received at least 20 wires, totaling $1.4 million through Hunter's entities, according to the 2020 Senate report by Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson. Let me just give you a part of what Ron Johnson had to say about this. There is also evidence that Hunter moved large sums of money from his firm Owasco to James Biden's consulting firm, the Lion Hall Group. Between August 14th of 17 and August 3rd of 18, Owasco sent 20 wires totaling $1.4 million to the Lion Hall Group, a consulting firm that lists James and his wife Sarah on the bank account. This transaction was identified for potential criminal financial activity by the banks. These transfers began less than one week after CEFC Infrastructure Investment wired $5 million to Hudson West 3 and Hudson West 2 sent its first payment of $400,000 to Owasco. Most of the payments from Owasco to the Lion Hall Group had vague notes in the memo lines, 15 of which simply indicated that they were for further credit to James. However, the memo line for one of the payments read HW3, which indicates some of the transferred money could be from Hudson West 3. So when the bank contacted Sarah Biden regarding the overall wire activity, she told the bank that the Lion Hall Group and Owasco provide international and business consulting and that the Lion Hall Group was assisting Owasco with one international client through a contract that had since terminated. Sarah Biden told the bank she would not provide any supporting documentation. She also refused to provide additional information to more clearly explain what their activity is about. Consequently, the bank submitted the account to be closed. It isn't over. Hudson West 3 then sent funds directly to the Lion Hall Group. According to records on file with the committees, James is the principal contact for the Lion Hall Group. Between January of 2018 and October that same year, Hudson West 3 sent the Lion Hall Group outgoing wires totaling $76,746 with a memo that says, office expense and reimbursement. These transactions illustrate a direct financial link between Hudson West 3, which was connected to CEFC, the Chinese government, and Gongwen Dong and James Biden. Three days after the first transfer from Owasco to the Lion Hall Group, 
It was publicly announced that Yee's CEFC Energy was in talks to purchase a stake in the Russian state-owned energy company Rosneft, which, as noted, later fell through. So prove all of those Biden family's suspicious activity reports. The committee discovered that Biden-associated associate Rob Walker got a $3 million wire transfer from CEFC. In turn, four of Biden family members, Hunter James Halley and unidentified Biden, received a collective $1.3 million cut from the $3 million wire transfer. The Bidens are the best I know at doing exactly what the chairman wants from this partnership, Hunter told a CEFC associate in 2017. It just goes on and on and on, and it doesn't stop. Every big statement that was made by Joe Biden about all of this, beginning with his campaign for the presidency, Everything he said when he was asked about his business associates, his affiliation with Hunter's business, overseas business associates and transfers, etc. Everything except actually having money deposited directly into a Joe Biden account has been proven to be exactly opposite of what the president claimed and has been claiming for years now. Interesting, huh? As this news continues to tighten, more speculation runs rampant about Joe Biden and a 2024 presidential run. Is he going to run? I don't think anybody knows that for sure. I don't think Joe Biden knows that for sure. I really don't. So what happens if he doesn't run? Hmm. Somebody's got to run on the Democrat side. Do you think it's going to be Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? Maybe Gavin Newsom. Who's out there that has a chance to even win or potentially win? Well, as we speculate over here, speculation abounds for important reasons from people all across the globe. Sky News, our buddies down in Australia, they had some thoughts about that over the weekend. Well, there's been a lot of talk about California Governor Gavin Newsom. But what about, hold on to your hats, folks. Michelle Obama. Sure, Gavin Newsom has been out mounting an almost shadow campaign to promote himself. The other day, he even claimed California did better than Florida on COVID. Ha! You look at the per capita deaths in these states, including Florida, I mean, it's 28.8% higher per capita deaths in the state of Florida than the state of California. We outperformed them in GDP in 2020. We contracted at a lower rate, and we had a higher growth rate in 2021. Yeah, people loved the crime and lockdowns in California so much they left in droves, even if they didn't own a drove. He has also been out defending the Biden administration's virtually open borders. 
I believe that he did the right thing for the right reasons because he recognized it's not just a border issue, that the entire, the, system, the entire system needs to be reformed. We haven't reformed since 86. You're not answering my question. The- and he's been attacking Republicans and their messaging. I mean, they sell fear and panic uh, around border and crime, but, but they, they sell common indifference around things like climate change. So that's the germs of a Gavin Newsom campaign. But what if all of this spin and chicanery is not enough? Well, the Australian's Adam Creighton, a great friend of this program, noted something interesting yesterday. He said, quote, for the first time in the 2024 presidential election campaign, Donald Trump has become the punter's favorite to win the election. And former First Lady Michelle Obama, who hasn't said anything about running, now has a better shot than Republican hopeful Ron DeSantis, who has been campaigning for five months, according to polls and betting markets. According to analysts Creighton spoke to, Michelle really is a possibility, if only because she is a known quantity who could step in and persuade voters to pull the lever for the Democrats if they had concerns about Joe Biden's weakening health. And you know what? I thought it was crazy. But more than I think about it, it makes a weird sort of sense. This has always been, in many ways, the third term of the Obama administration. Democrats are more interested in a suit of clothes to say the words. And given the left's obsession with identity politics, well, Michelle Obama on the top of the ticket would make it that much easier to send Kamala Harris off to the political equivalent of a weather station in Alaska. Idle speculation? Maybe. But if we've learned anything lately, it's that anything is possible. And you never say never. Now, I do know for a fact Michelle Obama has said numerous times I am not interested in getting back into politics. Not interested at all. Now, saying it and meaning it and doing something about it are all different things. What would it take to get Michelle Obama to run in place of Joe Biden? If you put her side by side with Gavin Newsom, in my mind, and I wrote about I wrote, I wrote about this, I've told you for months, I don't think Joe Biden is going to be the guy. I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be fit. I don't think he's fit to be president now, but certainly not to run for president for re-election next year. So who's out there right now on the Democrat side? As I said, Robert F. Kennedy, but the Democrat Party, they made it very clear from the beginning, we're not going to have any primaries. Joe Biden is our pick. So what does that mean? Does that mean if Joe bows down and there are other Democrats that are running for president, they're not going to have primaries? They're not going to give their voter base any opportunity to pick anybody but who they say is going to be the nominee? This whole plot, it just thickens, doesn't it? And it gets thicker. We don't have any answers. We have speculation, but we don't have any answers. But there's a lot, a lot of stuff brewing just below the surface of the public's view. And that's fairly common. 
Democrats are really good about working in unison. I've never seen a political party in my lifetime. Any Republican Party, any independent group, any of the offshoots, Republicans, I've never seen anybody work so closely within their ranks as do members of this Democrat Party. Stuff doesn't leak out very much. Bad stuff about people in their own party, it doesn't do it. They circle the wagons and defend each other. Republicans are horrible about that. Republicans are literally from that age of where, you know, I understand why some species of animals eat their young. You ever heard that phrase? It's referencing people having so many differences between them, there's no way to reconcile them. I don't believe that's a fact, but apparently the GOP, they, among themselves, they believe that. They'll just scream and holler at each other without ever trying to get reconciliation there, whereas Democrats, they find ways to unite around one common cause, whatever that is. Whatever it is. Molly Hemingway, do you know her? You remember her? She's from the Federalist. I've really liked her because she's very matter-of-fact in her thinking. She weighed in on some of the issues going on right now in politics and across the lines, talking about maybe RFK changing and running as an independent, Donald Trump and the stuff that he's dealing with, and, of course, Joe Biden and who might be there. She weighs in next with some thoughts you don't want to miss. Brian, open the door, please. Hey, Dad. Your music is as loud as a jet engine. But, Dad, a jet engine can reach 140 decibels. Well, yes. Well, the loudest commercial speaker is about 97 decibels. Uh, uh Uh-huh. So, you see, the comparison is flawed. Yeah, but... Nice talk, Dad. Teens will be teens, but one smart teenager will be a Jeopardy champ. The $100,000 Jeopardy Teen Tournament starts Wednesday. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing everyday price cuts. Thank you. Budweiser presents the world's first star in your own radio commercial. Okay, guys, whenever you hear this sound, insert your name. Hi there. Your name. Sorry I'm late. Sometimes there just aren't enough hours in the day to be a neurosurgeon and a swimwear model. Oh, am I thirsty. How about it? Your name. Got anything tall and cool? Oh, Budweiser long necks, though. Your name. You are so thoughtful. But of course, Bud's the first choice for every occasion. Ah, you know I have a confession to make. If I ever had a son, I'd want to name him. Your name. Oh. Your name. Come here. Now. Mm. Your name. Your name. Your name. 
Well, you did very well in your first commercial. Have a bud. You've earned it. This bud's for Your name. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Before we get to Molly Hemingway, I want to tell you, you know, Diane Feinstein passed away last week after serving faithfully in the U.S. Senate for many, 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 many years. She was 90 years old. She had struggled with a multitude of things, issues physically over a number of months, if not the last couple of years. She was having cognitive declination issues as well. But she passed away. That means there's a empty seat in the U.S. Senate with Senator Feinstein gone. Governor Newsom of California has to name somebody to replace Feinstein. That was conventional wisdom. I hate that term. Conventional wisdom says this is going to happen or this is going to happen or this isn't going to happen. Well, conventional wisdom said that Newsom would replace Feinstein with somebody that was palatable to the minority the minority people in California know who would that be African American of course Newsom took it one step further he will appoint LaFonza Butler she's a Californian she's the president of pro-abortion political group Emily's List to replace Feinstein in the Senate He had, Newsom, had previously pledged to nominate a black woman to replace Feinstein if she was unable to finish her term in the Senate. Though Newsom had talked about his pick to replace Feinstein would simply be a caretaker of the Senate seat, his selection of Butler was not contingent on her declining to run in 2024. That's interesting. The decision throws a wrench into the Democrat primary to succeed Feinstein, who died Thursday, was planning to retire at the end of this year. Democratic reps Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, Marlboro Lee were vying for her seat. Butler could choose to run for that seat next year. Lee is a black woman. She's... uh, had criticized Newsom for his caretaker remarks. I am troubled by what the governor said, Lee said. Following Newsom's announcement, he would only appoint a caretaker to the role. The idea that a black woman should be appointed only as a caretaker to simply check a box is insulting to countless black women across the country who have carried the Democrat Party to victory election after election. As I told you, Butler currently leads Emily's List, which is a political action group committed to electing pro-abortion Democrat women. Butler was recently listed as a resident of Maryland in the group's Federal Election Commission filings. The group's been, and she can change that, and she will, before the uh, inauguration of her to retake Feinstein's seat. The group spent about $5 million in political contributions during the 2022 election cycle. 
She also was previously involved as an organizer with the Powerful Service Employees International Union. So she is a far lefty. She's African-American, and something that uh, this story didn't mention is that she's also lesbian. So appointing her checks all the boxes, and it puts that Senate seat for California, a very, very important Senate seat, it puts it up in limbo. I mean, people like Adam Schiff felt like he was a lock. You know, he was abandoning his congressional seat to run for Dianne Feinstein's seat, where he, of course, in the Senate would wield even a bigger hammer than he has now in the Democrat Party, being from California and being Adam Schiff, one of the most vile people I've ever seen in Congress. So let's go back to Molly Hemingway. As I told you, she's with the Federalist, longtime heavyweight there, and that's a great news outlet. It's not hardcore conservative, but they lean toward the truth on pretty much everything. She always comes down on this, the side of what is really, really right. So what's going to happen over in Congress? And what are the Republicans going to do? And what are, is going to happen to Democrats in the wake of all of the indictments of Donald Trump and others. This DOJ goes after any conservative and every conservative that they have a chance that they can make a big deal out of. That's a lot to cover, but Molly gets after it here. Now, Hillary Clinton has been warning Joe Biden he will lose if there's a third-party challenger. challenger. That person could take away his votes saying this is pretty blank and concerning. Biden, quote, is worried about those spoilers. What do you think? Well, there's just a lot there, and the, a third-party challenge is something that very well could happen in this race. These polls, whether they show Trump and Biden tied in a, in a 2024 matchup or whether they show Trump up by 10, 10 points, they all point to a weak President Biden whose policies are very unpopular. Obviously, the country is suffering through quite a few issues here from the economy to the border to crime to a failed foreign policy. But I think they also point to something else. When you think about what Democrats have done up and down the East Coast in recent months of indicting their top political opponent, Donald Trump, you know, 91 counts in all these different jurisdictions, and he's beating Biden in the polls, it shows that that strategy of indicting Republicans has backfired horrifically for them. They thought that that would be a good way to win in 2024. And a lot of Americans are saying they find it very disturbing and that they are willing to side with President Trump over and against this unprecedented attack on a political opponent. Yeah. So, Molly, what you just said, I mean, you look at the Washington Post ABC poll, seven out of 10, the U.S. is on the wrong track. Half, half say that in the NBC poll. And then six out of 10 Democrats say no to Biden. They don't want him. Well, yeah, th th there's a lot of reason for Democrats to be panicking here, and they do seem to be doing that. You had a couple weeks ago, the Washington Post had multiple pieces basically pleading for Joe Biden to get out of the race, to take Kamala Harris with him, because she's even more politically toxic than he is. They're begging other people to, to think about something that might rescue the situation. But one of the problems is, you know, Joe Biden is not 
the worst candidate. He does present as a moderate, certainly more than some of their other options. That's a really important thing when you're running a national campaign to at least pretend that your candidate is a moderate. The policies, you don't see, you don't see other Democrats coming up with different policies than what Joe Biden has enacted or what Democrats on the Hill have enacted. They're all kind of together on their policies with the border. They intentionally have an open border. That's, that's a that's a shared belief that they have. They did not disagree at all on the economy. They actively work to make inflation as bad as it is. They are reckless in their spending, and that's something that you don't see much dissent, you know, maybe one or two here or there. And they're all pretty unified on their foreign policy as well. So it's unclear what the argument would be for someone else. You know, it's, it's the media finally waking up. The wake-up call is there, I guess. You know, we've been seeing these polls coming in like this for months. And, you know, the voters are saying, you know, the Trump indictment's not playing, not playing at all with them. Watch the media on this and watch Democrat, the Democrats trying to top spin this. Look at this. These numbers are simply staggering for the sitting president. 44% of people in this poll say they are not as well off as they were at the start of the Biden administration two and a half years ago. Those are the worst numbers that we've seen in our ABC News, Washington Post polling. The, the weaknesses that we are seeing uh, for Joe Biden and his approval rating across the board are very real. They are alarming to Democrats, even if no one thinks this is ultimately going to be a nine-point race. And, and Kristen, you know this from talking to Republican critics of Trump from rival campaigns. Everything you just explained, they thought would take him down a peg this summer. And instead, he has only moved up here for, for Donald Trump there. Nothing but good news. Look, uh, we all know the economic pressure that Americans have felt uh, when the president took office. The economy was flat on its back. But we're also getting extraordinary results. Extraordinary results. How? The economy was not flat on its back. Molly, Biden inherited a V-shaped recovery. Show the numbers that he inherited. I mean, we've got now rising oil prices, mortgage rates at around 8%, a possible government shutdown, a UAW strike. We've got a busy week ahead. There's stock market volatility coming back in. We've got new home sales coming in. We've got new GDP number for the second quarter, new PCE inflation data Friday. More week by week, we see these economic numbers, and people are always worried if they, you know, it's a big debate. They've been debating in years. Is, are we in a recession? So the White House narrative here, the Democrat narrative here, is it playing? Well, Pete Buttigieg may be correct that these that they've had an extraordinary reaction while they're in the administration, but it's extraordinarily bad. That poll number showing that 44% of Americans say that they are in a worse place economically than they were when President Biden took office, that's the worst showing for any president on record. It's a really significant percentage of Americans who are having trouble buying groceries, who can't, who can't sell their homes. This is, this is going to be a major issue in 2024. That illustrates what I believe is the most important element of where we are as a nation right now. We are so divided, so divided. And the division, it's not coming from factual things in many, many cases. And what do you mean, Dan? Well, look, our economy is in the tank. Nobody can credibly say otherwise, but yet you hear the Democrats over there and they're acting like, oh, you know, everything's cool. When Joe Biden took over, the nation was in horrible condition. No, it wasn't. Just think about what condition we would have been in if Joe Biden, his economy, was in place. 
during COVID-19, during the pandemic. They want all Americans to forget about where we were, where Americans were, where we were in our own lives, our own families, our own businesses when Donald Trump was president before COVID. The economy hadn't in my lifetime been as good as it was from top to bottom in every sector of the nation's operations, government, private business, corporations, you name it people, individuals, and groups, more blacks hired than ever, more women working than ever, unemployment at record lows, income taxes were cut, and that meant household money went up. We finally had, for a period of time, a real legitimate middle class. If we hadn't been there, Where would we be right now in Joe Biden's Bidenomics? And these people on the left, these legacy media deep staters, and it's not just in the media, it's in government. They actually are making some people believe in the poppycock that they're spewing. Oh, there's nothing bad going on here. You need to forget about this. You need to forget about that. We're going to take care of everything. Just keep voting for us. And many are listening to that. That is the biggest danger point in our place that we are in our nation. And here's the reason why. I'll go back to the story I wrote last week. I gave you an explanation of what the Biden government is all about. It's called oligarchy. Oligarchy. And there's a difference between an oligarchy and an authoritarianism. It's not big, but there is a different. Oligarchy is not about a dictator. It's typically about a really strong and powerful small group of people that run the policies of the government. That should tell you something. Joe Biden's not the head of what's going on. I'm not sure who is, but apparently there are enough hardcore Democrats that are in unison with this whole process that's being created, and it's playing out now right before our eyes, and they see this as being successful. Look at what they have done to the automobile business. Let me give you an an example. Do you know that right now, today, For Ford Motor Company, now Ford Motor Company's been around for a couple of hundred years. I mean, it's been around since, not a couple of hundred, since the early 1900s. It's one of the mainstays of manufacturing in the nation. Ford Motor Company created and owned Lincoln Continental. Ford Lincoln Mercury was the corporation. Way back, I'm trying to remember how long ago, maybe... 13, 14 years ago, Ford Motor Company bought Jaguar. Jaguar is a European vehicle. You remember them. They were really nice, really well-built automobiles. And they made a couple of designs that were really cool, mid-level, middle-sized cars. And what they said was they bought Jaguar because they wanted all of the engineering from Jaguar to come over to Ford 
because they were going to use it in Lincoln Mercury to come up with a Jaguar style mid-level, mid-size luxury American car. And they worked on it for years. And in 2016, they made it happen with the new Continental. Now, the, the Lincoln Continental, not the old big boat anchor, big ones from the 70s and 80s. I'm talking about the Lincoln Continental sedan that came out in 2016. It's the best-selling car that Ford Motor Company has had in 40 years. And guess what they did? They quit making them two model years ago. Why? Lincoln doesn't even make any cars anymore. They've moved everything to SUVs and crossovers. Now, why would they do that? Because the Biden administration has created a scenario for automakers, manufacturers, that is unsustainable. All of the climate change activism that's found its way into manufacturing of every kind, unbelievable, horrible, egregious new lockdowns and restrictions on everything. And then with that hardcore move to the left, demands coming up for electric cars to replace fossil-fueled vehicles, automakers are scrambling because they can't keep up with this. Financially, it doesn't work. There are so many things we could sit here for hours and talk about the things that the Biden administration and whoever is running that oligarchy have thrown at the American people what it's doing to every part of our sector of economics, every single part. These government people, people that are lifers like Joe Biden, they can't relate to any of this. Joe Biden's never paid a payroll. He's never been in business. He's never dealt with being in business and the ins and outs of dealing with people, so many people at so many different levels. He's been a politician, period. He talks to people because he wants them to vote for him and he wants them to write a check for his campaign. That's the beginning and the end of it. A guy like that can't relate. He has no idea what he is doing to the automobile business. He goes up to Michigan. He makes a a statement. It was not a very strong statement, and it lasted only a few minutes. He went up there just to stand in the picket line to be able to say, I'm the most union-friendly president in history. Nobody supported unions like I do. I get it. I understand the working people. I've owned companies. I was in the automobile business fresh out of college. I understand unions. Louisiana had a very contentious election period back in the uh, the late 70s, early 80s, when we voted, the American people voted for Louisiana to be a right-to-work state. Now, what does that mean? In other states today, a lot of manufacturers, other types of businesses, they can force their employees to join unions. Louisiana doesn't have to do that. 
the stand that he took up there was not for the working class American. It wasn't. It was for big money people. And it was for the Green New Deal climate change environment that they feel like will change the world for the better. And I can't believe they actually think that, but they tell us it does. It will never happen. That's a story for another day. We're in the middle of putting a story together that we'll present to you at truthnewsnet.org. It involves 1,600 climate scientists and their opinions on every part of the Green New Deal, the climate change fear-mongering that's been going on with facts to refute it all. And many of our so-called climate change gurus, they're admitting they've missed it. All that being said, we cannot go back to the hardcore left policies of the nation that we got ourselves out of during the Trump administration. Joe's taken us part of the way back, part way. Thank God it hadn't been all the way. But we can't do this going forward. Have you bought an electric car yet? Did they tell you when you were buying it, when you were shopping, how long the batteries in that car that you bought were going to last and what it was going to take to replace them? We're all accustomed to having a battery in our car, right? Now, batteries aren't cheap, but a good battery for a sedan, like one of those Lincoln Continentals, which I drive one, I drove Mercedes and Audis for 20 years. And when it came time for me to roll around in 2016, roll into another vehicle, I was looking at a Mercedes. I had just come out of an Audi A8L, the big sedan. friend of mine was the dealer for Lincoln. The Lincoln had just come out. And he said, before you buy, I'm going to send one of these over there for you and Marianne to drive. He did. We drove it. It blew our minds. It did everything. It was more roomy. It was about the same size, but more roomy. It had every one of the whistles and bells that come on a Mercedes. It drove as good or maybe a little better than the Mercedes that we were accustomed to. And it cost half as much. The longest I have ever kept a new vehicle is 36,000 miles. Lincoln Continental that I wrote a check for and paid for, half of what it would have cost me to do that for Mercedes, it has 106,000 miles on it. It's never had any type of major problem. Those batteries in that car that you're either thinking about the electric car to buy or you already have one. There are different prices for the different vehicles, but there are some Teslas that when the whole battery system is, it runs down, batteries run down about the same time. When it runs down in three or four years, it'll cost you from thirty dollars to $45,000 to replace the batteries. They're not under warranty, by the way. Nobody's talking about that. We're not getting the facts. We, as a people, have got to start demanding our government get out of the one-sided news business and to stop controlling the First Amendment and making 
news agencies comport to your methodology and what you want to message to the American people and let the news agencies do that. That's why it's called news. We don't need any of the drivel from our government. We get plenty of it. Here's an example of where we're coming out of one. This new COVID variant that's coming out that they have begun the scare tactics to scare us into, a COVID vaccine poll that was taken last week. It says more than half of adults are going to say no thanks to this new vaccination. Here are the numbers. Among U.S. adults, 52% say they will probably or definitely not get the new COVID-19 vaccine. Conversely, 23% of adults definitely plan to get it, while another 23% will probably get it. Among the people who said they definitely or probably will get it, most are Democrats and are at least 65 years old. 70% of Democrats plan to get the new vaccine. Just 24% of Republicans do. This poll was conducted between September 6th and September 13th. It polled 1,300 U.S. adults through online and telephone polls. Now, the company that did it's based in San Francisco. It's a self-described independent source for health policy research, polling, and journalism. So, because it's based in San Francisco, you would think that it would be very tainted towards the left. So, this means it might even be further the other way. The poll shows that most of the nation still trust the CDC and the FDA on vaccines. How and why? I have no idea. But there is a partisan gap. Most Republicans don't trust the nation's regulatory and scientific agencies that are responsible for vaccine approval and guidance. There's also a partisan divide in terms of COVID precautions. Among Democrats, 58% are likely to take extra precautions, including wearing masks, foregoing travel, and avoiding public gatherings. But just 16% of Republicans said they would likely do the same. Regarding giving the new vaccine to kids, more than half of these parents say they probably or definitely will not do it, despite the fact that the CDC recommends it for children six months and older. When it comes to other illnesses, including measles, mumps, rubella, most adults, 68%, and parents, 55%, support requiring vaccines for healthy children. However, 43% of those parents and 31% of adults believe the vaccination of kids should be left up to the parents. Isn't it interesting that leadership in the United States of America made COVID-19 a massive government decision which is the antithesis of what the United States has always been about. They're doing the same thing now with transgender transitioning surgeries. It's more divisive than pretty much anything we've seen. 
They're legislating, they're passing legislation across this nation that prevents parents from having any say-so for their underage, I mean teen and underage children, to have life-permanent-altering transgender surgery procedures. The government stepped in. Our biggest problem is not our economy. It's not our standing in the world. Our biggest problem is we have leaders in D.C. that don't trust you and I and certainly have been willing to, and they have been changing policies, passing laws, doing everything they can do without going to a Republican House of Representatives. What does that mean, executive orders, to crank down on all of the issues that they feel conservatives are pushing for? And you know why they're doing it? They're scared to death that in this upcoming 2024 election, a Democrat's not going to win. And they know if that happens, if conservatives take over the government, hardcore Democrat policies may be gone forever. Hi, welcome to this subway ad for the $3.99 six-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What do you say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT. Turkey breast $3.99. How much? Participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. <clears throat> Off to gang and showtime. Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not gonna cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> Movies right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads, and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, AutoZone. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The daybed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. In the last segment, I talked to you about how egregious and power brokering has taken over our government and uh, doing everything they can to take over our lives from top to bottom. And I told you the narrative and the way they shape things and when they talk about policies, it's never not from a point of the democratic view. They never put the possibility out there that they may have it wrong. They never want to think that. 
Case in point, we're in the impeachment inquiry mode now in the House of Representatives. Not impeachment, just getting facts, gathering facts to determine whether or not a formal impeachment process should be initiated. And of course, in these hearings, they're doing five-minute segments, five minutes for a Republican, followed by five minutes for Democrat, so forth. And that's the way it is working. And it is so partisan on the part of Democrats. I told you I had one example, Representative Mike Gomez of California. Listen to the way he handled his questioning on this Thursday. One of the things I want to kind of stress is that from the very beginning of this Congress, the Republicans had one thing in mind. Let's get Joe Biden, right? Let's get Joe Biden and let's uh, take, you know, find the evidence that showed he did something wrong. But when the evidence didn't exist, they would make up facts or they would exaggerate to an extent that it was like, honestly, mind boggling. And um, I know I want to focus on one part first. Um, The Republicans keep pointing out 20 shell companies of the Biden family. These are actually 20 shell companies of Hunter Biden. Okay, so anytime they say the Biden family, they're really saying Hunter Biden because there hasn't been a connection between Joe Biden and these companies. To an extent, um, do we have the slides up? Go, first slide is, that's not the, the slide, but I'll show it. So there's an article from um, Washington Post, August 17, 2023, and it says Hunter Bi- how Republicans overhype the findings of the Hunter Biden probe. And it's specifically when it comes to um, these 20 shell companies, as they call them. They were actually, uh, they were overhyped, and they gave them three Pinocchios. Mr. Chairman, I would like to, uh, name as consent to enter this into the record. Not objection, so ordered. Great. Next. Um, so they keep focusing on these 20 companies. And then the Ways and Means Committee reveals... 700 pages yesterday. It was really dramatic, right? They used Section 7, uh, 6103 to get these returns, and they say, hey, we're going we're gonna to show that they did something wrong. The, uh, the chairman of, of the Ways and Means Committee, Mr. Adrian Smith, who also serves on this committee or sits on this committee, presented, uh, asked, um, when asked a simple question, they pointed out that this actually... Uh, came the WhatsApp message of Hunter Biden allegedly was sent in 2017 when Joe Biden wasn't even president, when Joe Biden wasn't even running for president. So uh, unanimous consent to enter another article by Yahoo News, NBC reporter destroys GOP lawmakers' evidence against Joe Biden without even trying. Without objection to order. Thank you so much. So let's, let's dig into these 20 businesses. Oh, 20. 20 companies. That's a, that's a lot of companies for an average American like myself. You know, I got a w, uh, W-2. Uh, you know, I filed my income taxes. My, my wife and I have simple returns. But when it came to um, President Trump, how many companies did he have? Anybody want to take a guess? Uh, Ms. O'Connor, how many companies did Mr. Trump have? I have no idea the number, but I know okay, they stop. all did something. You, I, I, reclaim my, I reclaim they my time. Things. Thank you. I, re, I, re, I reclaim my time. Reclaim my time. See, you can't even answer a simple question, right? 
He had over 500 companies. No, I will not. He also had over 500 companies. Over 500 companies. I looked at the tax returns. Why? Because I was on the Ways and Means Committee, and I got to actually dig into it. Over 500 companies. Actually, between 517 uh, to 543 companies. And Republicans had no concern about that. When it was, they were structured in a way, they were almost like a set of Russian nesting dolls, each one hiding the existence and the, who controlled the others. But did the Republicans bring it up? No. Did they have any concerns? No. But what happened last week or this week? Let's take a guess. A judge said that uh, President Trump committed fraud, business fraud, for inv- uh, inflating the value of his net worth, and his companies. But when it comes to the Republicans, they have no problem with that. Right? They have no problem. They don't want to dig into that. When Trump controlled these 517 companies, when it came to uh, Hunter Biden controlling 20, oh, we see, we see a direct line to Joe Biden. So that's what the problem is, is that they're, they're cherry-picking facts to connect it to Joe Biden and when they don't have facts, they make it up, as they did earlier today when they put up tweets or, uh, or text messages that were not connected. So the point is, everything they're doing is to muddy the waters. And it, it, I think it's disgraceful, because when it comes to a president that committed fraud, a president that caused an insurrection, a president that was also sold our government's national interest to, uh, to the highest bidder, Silence. A president that committed fraud sold our national interests for his own benefits. He's talking about Donald Trump, of course. I wanted you to hear, that's the kind of stuff, the only kind of stuff that is being brought forward in the five-minute segments in this hearing by Democrats. They don't want to talk about there being any wrongdoing potential. And experts, constitutional experts, several of them Democrats, have testified and made it very clear to justify an impeachment, a full-blown impeachment. There does not necessarily have to be proven that one dollar of money like this in the Biden case actually went directly into the president's account. Bribery is a process that is adopted for future stuff going on and on and on and on. More of that to come. Wow. Thank you for joining us Monday. Going to be a big day tomorrow. Steve Baker joins us in the second hour. Enjoy your first weekday of October. You have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow at TNN Live.